Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Megan Milkowski, SVP Commercial Operations, joined Dow Jones in October 2017. Dow Jones is a global provider of news and business information, delivering content to consumers and organizations around the world across multiple formats, including print, digital, mobile, and live events. Dow Jones has produced unrivaled quality content for more than 130 years and today has one of the world's largest news gathering operations globally. Megan is a multidimensional transformation executive who delivers strategic solutions and optimizes sales opportunities to maximize business results for the Dow Jones Print Group, specifically Wall Street Journal and Barron's. She formulates and executes strategies that increase revenue, minimize waste, and cut cost. Her 30 years of publishing experience started at Life Magazine, marking up pasteboards for pre-press. Moving to time, she progressed from production and operations to leadership roles and imaging and business management. Milkowski is the recipient of the Luminary Award at the Gamma Epsilon Tau Gold Key Awards. Both are awarded to media leaders for positive influence, excellence, and dedication to the graphic communications industry. As a fierce competitor, she competes in triathlons and has secured multiple spots for nationals. Racing allows her to opportunities to raise money for Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and mental health organizations. So Megan, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Thank you for having me, Cameron. I'm honored. I, I didn't know you were a triathlete. When did you start doing triathlons? Uh, 12 years ago. I was a marathon runner and uh, my knees weren't, weren't agreeing with me anymore. So a girlfriend of mine challenged me to do a, a sprint triathlon. So uh, 400, 400 yards in the water. And I'm not a swimmer or I wasn't a swimmer, especially open water swimmer. So that was the biggest challenge. It was a big hurdle, but I figured why not? And you either do one and done, or you do one and you're completely and totally hooked. And <laughs> I was completely and totally hooked. And is that the distance you stay at the sprints? No, um, I've actually done sprint Olympic, and I did my first half Ironman it last two years ago when I turned fifty. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want fifty to be about turning fifty. I wanted fifty to be about something else. So. Um, uh, it was this is fifty was my hashtag, and it was me showing everybody how I'm training, and then crossing the finish line, coming in third in my age group, and qualifying for worlds. So, <laughs> this very is cool. Good for you. Yeah, at fifty, I did my one and done marathon. I was the same. I, I needed to do it before I was fifty. Got her done and crossed it off the list. So, all right. So, um, triathlete, did you bring that kind of sports culture into Dow Jones when you started, or was it already there? Uh, there was a little bit, there's definitely a softball team, a lot of, a lot of competition there. There was a soccer league. Um, but I did run into a lot of, uh, Ironman triathletes while I was while I'm there and, um, a couple, couple marathoners. So definitely, you know, people doing their own thing, uh, and we've all found each other, uh, and keep keep notes on what's going on, what kind of training you're doing, what kind of bicycle do you have? I need this, I need that. So, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of resources, but I use a lot of analogies um for training at work. 
I'll bet you do. Yeah, it's funny. When we were building a company, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, years ago, we hired uh, a guy who was ninth in the Vancouver Sun Run, a, a 10K race of 55,000 people, and he placed ninth in it. And he changed the culture of the company when every day this guy was going for a run, all of a sudden, the little runners started coming out of the closet. And then we just couldn't hire anybody that wasn't into sports. And I can, it was just a different mindset. So tell me about, about when you joined Dow Jones. What was it that attracted you to the organization? And, and um, what was it like when you were kind of getting started in your role? So I started reading the Wall Street Journal when I was a political science major at the University of Delaware and have loved the, the publication ever since I started reading it. Um, and it's a company that I always wanted to work for. Uh, Time Magazine was another, com- another publication I always read and wanted. I have ink running through my veins. I am, I am a media person. I love news. Um, and so every time a job came available for Wall Street Journal or for Dow Jones, over, over a 20-year period, I kept applying and applying and applying. And, and then this one came up, this uh, job description came up, and it was for pagination, uh, commercial sales, and uh, manufacturing. And I, I said, wait a minute, I've done all, this is this job description is my resume. So I wrote a very compelling cover letter and then networked as much as I could of trying to get into the hiring manager and managed to get an interview with the with the recruiter. And funny, funny story, actually, Um, pre-COVID three years ago, I never met anybody in person. It was all done on video. Wow. Interesting. That's pretty yeah. advanced for, for a company back end of that size to be doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I actually thought it was a joke when they sent me the, the cover letter, you know, the offer letter. I'm like, really? Like, you never saw me in person. Are you sure you really want to hire me? Do they still <laughs> do that today? Is that part of the DNA of the organization now? Uh, no, they still have people come in. Uh, they do have a lot of uh, video um, pre-screen. So they give you a list of questions that you have to answer. And pretty much what I did for my Ignite program, you answer the questions, you get two minutes to answer, one minute to answer, whatever they tell you, and you answer the question and you hit record and off you go. So um, they they do a lot of that. Um, but they generally have you come in um, to interview. But due to the fact that they weren't sure where I was going to be, either New York or Princeton, they just decided to do a video video interview. So it worked out really well for me. Amazing. I love it. Just before we went live, you mentioned something and I I remembered an article that Harvard wrote. Um, Harvard Business Review wrote an article about uh, 15 years ago called The Misunderstood Role of the COO. And one of the things that they identified was one of the seven distinct second in commands was the change agent. And you mentioned as just before we were going live that you were kind of brought into the print division as the change agent, as the second in command there. Can you walk us through what what it was you were supposed to change, but also what you kind of see a change agent as being? So there wasn't anything specific that they wanted me to change. It was really more about uh, changing the culture um, and getting people to think differently. Um, they had a wonder. They have a wonderful staff, and a lot of people have been doing the same job for a long time. And and I sometimes act like a I hate to say it, a two-year-old, and I keep saying, why? Why, why do we do that? Um, explain to me why we do that. Talk to me like I'm in fourth grade and explain that to, to me. And then um, and my 
goal is to get them to think how we could do it differently. Um, now we are print, we are, you know, 130 year old brand, uh, that we ha have to rely on the, the last mile to deliver our newspapers to our, to our subscribers. So, uh, there's some things we can't change, but there are some things we can change. And that's what I was brought in to get people to think differently, how we sell the business, um, who our, who our clients are to think bigger, you know, not just our amenity copies are going to hotels. Well, what, where else can we go? Uh, do we have to just do hotels? Can we go to senior living centers? Can we go to, you know, high-end high car met, car outlets, um, dealerships, and just really think outside the box and figure, and I know that seems like so, you know, 1982, but it's really, it was, I was brought in to get people to, to um, change the way they do their, their business and stop doing things. Uh, if you were to put a workflow together, and I did a lot of these, uh, and you know, where you just go around and around and around and around in circles until you get to the end and you don't ever get to the end. And so, you know, this starts here, and I'm using my fingers here. Um, you know, this project starts here, but it goes through 25 people before it's done. Well, why does it have to go through 25 people? Why can we get it to down to 20? Can we get it down to 15? Can we get it down to 10? Right. And there was one time we, we, we said, Oh, we don't even need to do this. <laughs> like, Amazing. It, right. Yeah, exactly. And so it, it freed up a lot of time to focus on things that we really, we really do need to focus on, which is, you know, getting our, our, um, getting our product to our customer in the most efficient way possible. And what do they want? What kind of service do they want? Do they want a white glove service? Um, do they just want print? Do they not care how they get it? You know, do they, some people don't care if they get it a day late. They want the print. And what, what's interesting, and it's funny, you even said that, you know, something sounded so 1982, but in 1982, the Dow Jones was 90 years old. Like, you know, it's incredible to try to make change in any organization when there's some thinking that's even five years old or three years old, but when, when an organization is so structured and has been around for so long and has so many, you know, people that have been in roles, it's gotta be extraordinarily hard. How did you, how did you make the change without changing the people or do sometimes you have to make the tough decisions and change the people too? We did not have to change the people. Um, the, you said you had a bunch of really good people. We too. have an amazing staff and the knowledge that they have, not just about Dow Jones, but about the manufacturing, the newspaper industry and the connections that they have are just incredible. And I am in awe of the information and the dedication that they have. Um, and I rely on them to, and I, I ask them to explain stuff to me because I come from a magazine background. I don't come from a newspaper background. So uh, I had, I had 28 years in uh, 20, yeah, 28 years in magazines before I came to newspaper. And um, so really, I really rely on them. It was really getting them to, to say, you know, and they would come to me with an idea and they'd say, look, we've tried this three times before. How do we get it across the, how do we get it across the, the finish line, right? How do we cross the goal line? How do we get it in the goal? Like, how do we do this? And um, so it was really sitting down and just, you know, making a plan, understanding the information, understanding the economics is the big thing at Dow Jones is um, finding the true P&L for a product is not so easy to do just because of the accounting that they do. And sure. we... Um, 
when we were able to dig through and find out, you know, the economics of a certain product, then it made sense to people why we should change something. And because I was brought in to start up a, uh, a different division, which is the business ops division, to really dig into all those problems. And as my boss says, we have people that make the donuts and they make the donuts every day and they're really good at making the donuts. But is there a better way to make the donuts? And that's what I was brought in for. How do we make a, find a better way to make those donuts? So, and is it just as, as simple as asking why and sitting down with them? Or do you have some systems that you use that you can walk us through? And can you maybe give us a change that you were able to identify or, or that you specifically did there? So I, I love data and I'm a, a big proponent of the data doesn't lie. So it's really asking a lot of questions and getting as much data as I possibly can. And when I get, it depends on what project I'm working on. Um, so I'm trying to, while I'm explaining my process, I'm trying to think of a, of, of a really good uh, example here. So I could give you a, a simple example. I, I collect the data and then I analyze it in, into uh, finances and um, more uh, strategy looking goals, meaning where the numbers are. Uh, how many how many subscribers we have? What are paid subscribers? Um, and really looking at that kind of data as to where our our papers are going and 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 who our who our customers are. I rely heavily on our uh, customer insights team, and they're incredible for getting me the information and being able to tie in the financials with the consumer insights team is something that people just weren't doing before. So. The biggest issue that newspapers have is the last mile. Um, and every newspaper will tell you that, you know, getting the newspaper out the door of a manufacturing facility is not the problem. And getting it to a depot is not the problem. You can hire a truck and you can get it there. It's getting the carriers to get it on somebody's front lawn or on their front porch and ensuring that it's, it's dry, it's in a bag, it's there consistently. And so that's one of the biggest projects that or one of the biggest problems that newspapers have is the delivery, is the last mile. And so a lot of work that um, my, my team and the, the distribution team has done is all about the last mile. And we do have a last mile project that we're working on. And we facilitated a, you know, big idea, everything, everything is negotiable, like, let's put everything on a wall. What can we do to make sure that we ensure that our customers are, are getting what they want? And so we came up with a few different things, which was carrier gratuity. How can we make sure that these carriers stay and they're consistent? Because they don't make a lot of money, these carriers. They make yeah. close to nothing. Um, and during the economic, I would say, upturn, where everybody was making a lot of money, uh, carriers were down. So we had a lot of open routes. So how do we make those carriers stay? So we, we, we were testing the, the last mile and getting people to give carrier gratuity. We looked at truck routes to make sure that we were as consistent as possible with our trucks and making sure that we weren't changing them up every other day or weekly. You know, and then we also looked at markets that are, you know, we're flying copies to, to Montana. And, um, you know, all, and of course, you know, Alaska, we have to fly copies. Does it make sense? Right. Um, 
Yeah. How do you, how do you avoid that kind of waste when the organization is so big and, and you're kind of making decisions in a vacuum at times or, or based on a siloed decision? Like how do you avoid that waste where it just doesn't make sense? How do you say no? So we don't say, we really don't say no. Um, we, we think about the customer first. Um, and if they're, they're paying a premium price for a premium product, we make sure that we get the copy there. Um, and if they're, not paying the premium price, then we have to rethink it. And so we have a lot of people that are 35 plus year subscribers and they're willing to pay anything to get their print copy on their right. front door. And that's what we look at as the white, the white glove treatment that we make sure that they, they get what they want. Um, there are areas that are very profitable for us. Um, and I'm sure you can guess which ones they are, what areas of the country they are. And we have to think about, the best way to get their copies to them. And we're now starting to think of alternative ways to get them copies, uh, whether it be, you know, digital presses or the, the digital PDF that we have available now that we started out with, um, I think maybe 5,000 people were getting it. And within a four week period, now we have over 56,000 people getting the PDF right into their inbox or their, their email yeah, yeah, and the open yeah. rate is, is unbelievable. It's, it's way over 60. So, you know, people are reading that on, on their iPad now. Um, For sure. So just really trying to be as, and as I mentioned, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a large company and there are a lot of projects going on and, you know, the print group is just a very small part of Dow Jones. So a lot of resources are for the, the online and on our PIB business and there the, and our RNC business. It's, it's an incredible business that we have. And, you know, we're, like I said, we're a small part of it. So getting the, the resources to help us is a challenge and it's, it's all about, you know, push, 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 push. And, and, you know, uh, we're still here. We're still waiting. How do you sell on those resources? How do you actually get the resources you need? What is, how do you pitch them? So I, I have, um, I, I guess, as my father would say, I have peddler blood in my system. I come from a long line of salespeople. And uh, while I couldn't possibly go out and sell a product, what I can do is get people to give me what I want. Um, so it's all about relationships. And it's all about, you know, getting them to understand what you need and when you need it. So I, I'm not a person to go in and say, I need it right away and then not use it. I'm like, listen, could you get it to me by two weeks? Uh, this is when I really need it. Uh, or you tell me when you can get it and I'll work my timeline around you. And people are really responsive to that, um, especially on the tech side. They're like, oh, really? You don't need it tomorrow or yesterday? And so I can usually get and when you're, you're a little bit more flexible, you can get them to work with you a little bit more. Um, and then, you know, telling them what your expectations are. My other idea and thing that I do all the time is I say, well, what do you think? You know, do you have any ideas? Do you have a better idea? Not, not a better idea, but you, like, what else? What can you add to the conversation? You know, like get right, them right. to think creatively and then they'll come back and say, hey, you know what? You should try this. And I'm like, great. And that's how I usually get most of this stuff done is asking for their creativity. That's interesting. Make it their idea. And make it. As long as it's their idea, they will do it. Mm -hmm. Talk about um, the switch over to COVID-19. When, when we had to, to get faced with this in the last you know, three or four months ago, 
what, how did it affect Dow Jones and how, how have you guys dealt with it? So it was a really interesting personal story for me, plus for Dow Jones. So I had foot surgery on uh, February 26th and I was supposed to go back to work on March 4th. On March 4th or uh, the Friday before March 4th, they said, forget it. You're not coming back. Um, I need a full contingency plan. So what was supposed to be a full week of recovery was three business days of recovery. And that Monday, I had to put a contingency plan for everybody to work from home, which ended up being a 36-page document with my, with my foot up over my heart on a laptop uh, and getting emails from you know, at least a dozen people with their org charts and who needs what. And so we put a full contingency plan together. And within two, within a week, everybody was working from home. And that included, Wow. Um, and that was, we let everybody know. And within two days of letting everybody know they were working from home, it was a week of us planning. And then two days, you got to work from home. And people came in with their cars and took their full computer, because we didn't have laptops for everybody. So they took their CPUs, they took their monitors home and, and they were up and Unreal. running. Yeah. And what's great is that people are like, I'm so much more efficient. I've and they didn't think they could be. Right. We're noticing that as a massive trend right now. I spoke with the second in command at the American association of retired people, AARP, and they had 2,200 people went remote within three days. And are you going to go back to offices? Are they going to stay? Are they going to stay remote? Are you allowing people to maybe stay remote? What's the thought process there? Well, we keep ha we have surveys. Our our people team is amazing. They've had three or four surveys asking what people want, and what we're finding is that people want to have the flexibility to work from home a couple of days a week. Uh, not necessarily every day. Uh, there are a few people that want to be home every day, and some people can. Uh, they have the kind of job where they can. Um, but what we're we're most concerned about is we are a global company, so being able and we have open floor plan so to have a meeting with hong kong or with barcelona or london and then have a mask on because you're in an open area on the video is very difficult to go into the office and so a lot of people we don't have a back to work strategy yet we have a we have a future of work uh stream that we're working on as to how we're going to go back um which i'm not a part of that at this point but the people that are working on it just have some incredible ideas. Um, so you're still, they're still not looking at coming back to the offices yet then? There's no date for the U.S. Um, they, we have offices in Hong Kong. People are going in uh, partially Hong Kong. Uh, Barcelona is still not back up and running. Uh, and I don't think London is either. Um, but what's, the, what's worked well in terms of, of not so much the productivity, but, um, you know, keeping employees engaged, keeping them getting their, you know, the results, have there been any systems that have been used, any software tools that have been used? What's, what's worked? Is it just, you know, coaching people or aligning people? What's working well to make sure that we're getting great productivity from the people and that people are having fun doing their roles? So, well, I, I instituted a water cooler meeting day one, week one of, of COVID and I had it every day for the first three or four weeks. And now it's a couple of times a week, but it's just, it's, you can't like what would happen at a regular water cooler. You can talk about business. You can talk about personal life. You can talk about the funniest thing you've ever heard. Did you see the, the movie, you know, and it's not required. It's talk about anything and everything. And 
the feedback that I've gotten from my staff is that is by far the thing that is keeping them sane because they know that they have something to do at least three or four times a week to have that just relaxed conversation that it doesn't have to be structured that you know they have a half hour where they can they can relax and and just um shoot the breeze with their with their coworkers. that works yeah and the the, the we have a we have obviously slack is a is a big thing now to keep everything up to date but for the most part we're we're google hangouts and we're, we're google chat and that really keeps everything up and running and more more and more people are doing that. Do you have a minute? And they'll get on the video to have a quick conversation um, as opposed to before where everything was scheduled, right? You, right. you, know, you want to have a right. meeting. I Here's a half hour. Okay, I'll meet you in a half hour. Hey, do you have five? And now people are, um, because if you were at an office, you would get up and walk over and say, hey, do you have a minute? People are sure. now starting to use that um, video chat very, you know, on the fly to say, hey, do you have a minute? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. And you don't have to stay on for the full half hour. And that's the other yeah, thing. Yeah. That's the other thing I said. If you don't have anything to say, don't stay on for the full half hour, right? And I've canceled meetings because there's no agenda. I'm not having a meeting without an agenda. It's a waste of time. No agenda, no attenda. That's why I wrote the book Meetings Suck, because I wanted people to actually understand how to run them and how to participate in them. So another story about your book, Meetings Suck. I, um, we have a new CEO, Almar Latour, who is fantastic. And so he, in one of his first meetings with us, a smaller group, he mentioned that he likes small, quick meetings. He, you know, he doesn't like these things to drag on. And, you know, sometimes too many people, it's, it's, it's a useless meeting. So I said, oh, my God, I just read this book, Meetings Suck. This is perfect. And I got on Amazon. I sent it right to him. And I said, I think, you'll, right. I think this aligns with exactly what you, you were saying today. And I put the date on it. And I got a nice thank you note from our CEO saying, oh, well, this is great. Awesome. You know, so I'm hoping. We it's can funny. I, I had uh, Elon Musk sent a tweet out about a year ago saying that if you're in a shitty meeting, stand up and leave the meeting. And I've known, I've known Elon for 25 years because I was a reference for him in his first round of funding for Zip2. So I sent him a text message after. I said, no, you don't tell people to leave shitty meetings. You fix shitty meetings so they're not in them in the first place. Like just don't hold any more shitty meetings. I don't understand why people sit and complain, but they won't fix the root cause. So you, you talked earlier about, about something that you were working on um, in, in, in around culture. Can you describe what a great culture is for you? What kind of culture you're always working towards? So the, the best culture for me is open and honest communication. Um, I think without that, you cannot have a productive staff. And you can't walk out of the, I'm going to say office, but you can't close your laptop at the end of the day and feel good about yourself. Um, I don't like hidden agendas. And so one of the things that I try and make sure is that I understand everything about what people need. And so the asking and what else doesn't end until they say, I have nothing else. And I'm trying to instill that culture with everybody else that understand, don't just, don't ask a question and let it go at that because mm. that's not the whole story, right? When you ask one question and they answer what they think you want to hear, it, it, it accomplishes almost nothing. It's almost nothing. Yeah. What are your, what are your one-on-one -on -one meetings like with your team? Can you walk us through how you kind of coach your direct reports? I have been doing a lot of uh, listening. I do use the 80, 20 rule. 
So 80% listening, 20% talking. I let them try and come up with their own ideas and coach them through what else they they need to think about. And it's been a three-year project of mine to stop talking because I'm a talker and I talk very fast. <laughs> and um, But what I've learned is that I can... I, if I ask certain questions, they actually do the thinking for me and they come up with a better idea than probably I would have come up with because they've been doing it longer. It's, it's amazing when you actually kind of can get them to talk. And I've, I've heard a saying years ago that God gave us two ears and one mouth and we need to use them in that ratio. We need to kind of ask the questions and get them to figure it out. And then our job is to grow people. Are you, are you working on growing their skill set or just um, supporting them or wh- where do you line up there? You know, we have a, I have a few different levels of folks. And um, so there are a few people on my staff that just have been there for a very a long time, very seasoned and extremely knowledgeable about what they do. And they're not really looking to grow, so to speak. They're, um, but then I've got a few people that really that are that are ambitious and want to grow. And sure. I've been coaching them and trying to get them to think in a different way. So we've, I've had one person who's very, very um, numbers oriented. And so to get him to think a little bit more strategically is, has been uh, a challenge, but a fun challenge where I can, you know, keep asking him, okay, what, well, what else, what other ideas do you have? Um, Is there another way to come about this? And um, what's nice is that other people have recognized, other departments have recognized what I've been doing with my staff. And they said, hey, go to Megan. Uh, can, go ask her to mentor you because I think she should be really good for you. Well, what, what about the people that don't want to grow? Do you just load them up with more stuff until they, you know? Um, no, no. It's, or, it's all about, you know, throwing out questions. Hey, um, we have this issue. What do you think? Um, is there another way to do it? And they'll, they'll chew on it a little bit and come back with a, Hey, remember you mentioned that I'd like to try and and go and try and lead this project. And I'm like, go ahead. You know, so we, we have a format for a business plan. Everything has to have a business plan. Everything has to have a timeline. Um, everything has to have a P and L and, so when we put the business plan together, oh. and it could be a short business plan, it could be a half a page. Some business plans yep. are three pages long, some are a paragraph, and but it has to have a business plan. It has to have an, a, a projected P&L of what it would look like, and they go from there. And it's who are the stakeholders, list the stakeholders, who, whose buy-in do we need, uh, and some work, and some don't work, you know? yeah. yeah. And so the can you imagine wall is is a virtual, it's not even a virtual wall, it's all in my head, but I need to get something where we can just pin it up and, and get people to really think that way. Um, because it is, it's a, it's a print business is an old business. And I just truly believe, you know, the vivid vision, there's, there's a better way to do some of the things that we're doing. Yeah, for sure there is. How about yourself and your skill set? I mean, you're you're kind of always growing. What are you focusing on growing? Where are you focusing on on um, getting better as a leader? So I am in my leadership program that I was in. I, I found that I'm actually pretty good at coaching people, and uh, so I volunteered to be a coaching trainer. 
and I had my first class a couple weeks ago and I am, I really would like to get my coaching certificate and, and help people with their careers or whatever they want to do with their lives. Um, but career wise, you know, I, I love finding problems and figuring out a, a, a better way of doing things. And I, I, I hate to say this, but I feel like I'm a conductor. Like I need a little bit new and a little bit new and we'll fix this all together and it will make beautiful music together or, you know, a coach, <laughs> but you know, to be a COO, I'm, I'm not a CEO, as I mentioned before, uh, but I would love to be a COO and just really tie everything together for a medium to small, co a small to medium sized company and just make the CEO look like a million bucks. Right. Yeah, it's fun when you're when you're in that kind of <clears throat> in the entrepreneurial world, it's different for sure. But you're you're kind of in the second command of your division. So you've still got have you got PL responsibility in what you're doing? What areas do you oversee and what areas don't you oversee? So I oversee the PL. I'm responsible for the PL uh of of the um division and I run the commercial ops and the business ops. And um, there's a gentleman that runs the man, the true manufacturing, the printing plants and, and, and such. And he does an amazing job and we partner um, to make sure that we get the most out of, out of the entire staff. But um, I, the, at, the, at the end of the day, the P&L kind of lies on my response, lies to me. And some, some years it's great and some years it's not so great. So, um, you know, COVID, COVID has had an impact, but we're, we're having a good time. Okay. You mentioned earlier to me um, when we were offline that you got selected to be a part of the Ignite program at Dow Jones. What, what's that program and why were you selected? Our previous CEO, Will Lewis, had a commitment to get more females in executive roles. And what better way to do that than with the existing talent that we have at Dow Jones? And so I was in the second cohort. Uh, the first cohort I wasn't eligible for because I wasn't there long enough. But um, uh, it, it is, uh, they, I, I, don't, I think about over a hundred women applied to, to this program and it's about, they select 20. It's a year long program. Um, there's uh, a couple of weeks out of the year where you're just, you know, basically we had MBA in a day. We had uh, coaches, um, you know, career coaches. We had um, different ways of coming at projects. Uh, I'm in print and my project was for, um, risk and compliance and data, yeah, data, great. data, data analysts. And I'm like, I don't know what, to, so I had to learn like what data analysts did. And, uh, you know, it was fun. It was, it was really, it's, it's going beyond your scope. And we got a lot of insight into what's happening at Dow Jones that we normally wouldn't. Um, and it was all, it was a full leadership program that lasted a year. And, uh, the wow. best part about it was, the the 20 women 22 women that were in my cohort are now friends uh allies you know resources that i probably never would have had because there are people from the journal uh, from the from the newsroom from live journalism from marketing from pr like i never would have been able to do this podcast if it weren't for ignite because sure. i never would have known who to go to to say how do i do this I, Starbucks does a really interesting job at the head office of Starbucks where they rotate their key executives every two to three years where you're only allowed to stay in that kind of one functional area for two to three years. And then you have to switch. 
and they're constantly building the base of the skill set of their of their leadership team. They just figure that if you're a really strong leader, you can lead any area, just go figure it out. And they don't want people getting so stuck in their silo. It's pretty crazy to think about it, but it's neat that you got to do it as part of a training program, not necessarily part of your day to day. Yeah, it, it, it was a, it was really incredible. I want you to think back to your your 22 year old self. You're just kind of graduating from college or university, and and you need to give yourself some advice. What advice would you give yourself back then that you know to be true now, but you wish you'd known back when you were just starting out in your career? Um, trust your instincts. Um, I, I second guessed myself the first 10 years of my career. And if I had just trusted my instincts, I probably would have had a different tra- trajectory, maybe not better, maybe not worse, but definitely different. And um, yeah, definitely trust your instincts. All right. I love it. And it's, it's, it's a strong one that I think everybody needs to remember because we, we have that human kind of computer that's been built in that when we try to outlogic it, we, we just kind of burn out the circuit board. <laughs> Megan Milkowski, the SVP for commercial operations for Dow Jones. Thank you so much for sharing with us on the Second in Command podcast. Appreciate all the time and ideas. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya for access to our premium content. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.